And we're going. And we're rolling. Uh, yeah, happy... Not anniversary, that's the wrong word. Um, happy 50th. There we go. Yeah, happy 50th episode to us. Yeah. This, this is our 50th. This is so, our, you know, can you believe go, that? Go us. <laughs> go us. Um, um, yeah. I can't believe, I mean, we're at 50 episodes. That's just wild. Um, it seen, is. It doesn't feel that long ago we started. We've seen a lot. Um, we've seen bad audio. Yeah. Uh, bad video. Yeah. Um, outtakes. I, I don't. Yeah, I, we, we don't need really to knock ourselves. We, we've had some good times. Yeah. Though. Well, I was gonna say we've seen some ugly. We've seen some great episodes. Yeah. Um. I think. What? What's okay? Yeah. Just real quick. What's your? What's been your maybe favorite or like? Oof. One favorite. Of your favorite um. One episode I really enjoyed recording was the one where it was us and Tom messing around late at night and it wasn't actually a high intellectual episode it was just us playing that one game yeah uh that was that was just funny to record uh i also liked our early one toxic masculinity mm-hmm. uh and i thought that was a that was a pretty good one to, that, as far as our early ones go that was one of the, one of our stronger ones i think i really liked the one on poverty of relation that mm-hmm. we recorded in rome kind yeah. of like what how we need relationships that's right we recorded that in rome i forgot yeah. that that was and fire. then uh my episode on uh Lexio Divina with Brother Bosco. Yeah. I really like. I mean, it's Brother Bosco, dude. Oh. He's, he's fire. Yeah. Well, celebrate. You know, we have, yeah, 50 episodes. We're starting to, like, you know, try to brand ourselves a little bit more. Obviously, we have the sign that's, you know, still, yeah. still rolling strong. Yeah. Um, you know, we have podcast stickers now kind of representing it, right, with my uh, water bottle. Um, Nate's got a sign. I have this. You can't, you can't have this, though. You can't buy this, but, yeah. but I had this, so. Uh, t-shirts? Oh, you're not wearing your podcast shirt. Uh, no, I, sh- I should be. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we got you know we have we do have shirts. We have new updated shirts with the new logo. Um, yeah, we're gonna be working on slowly on getting a, a website up eventually. Yeah. Um, really doing like more social media stuff. Yeah, really trying to like amplify uh, our presence. So if you we're gonna to... start trying to work with Nike to have, <laughs> um, you know, our own custom Jordans maybe. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, I'd say so. We're gonna have our own cereal too. Yeah, um, like yeah. with little Benedict medals. Just call them bros instead of Cheerios. Just yes, bros. bros. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And we're going to actually, something we are going to be doing is um, Tom was talking to us about a, a grosery. Oh, uh, yeah. A bro yeah. rosary, like to a workout. Um, yeah, like maybe a, a video we might put out in, in summertime or basically because like we were thinking, you know, there's a lot of uh, rosary videos out there. And you said Hallow even has a rosary running, uh, yeah. you know, audio. But um, we were thinking it might be kind of cool. Not in a cheesy way, but like in a really in a good wholesome way to make a video where we're doing like some some fitness, so probably like calisthenics or some kind yeah. of like body weight workout while um, praying the rosary. Yeah, and we'll maybe have some meditations, some guided mm-hmm. meditations through the different mysteries. Uh, I think that could be fire. So we'll we'll put that out hopefully yeah. in summer. We want to do so. some more meditations too, like Stations of the Cross. Yeah, um, maybe Divine Mercy Chaplet. Right. Um, yeah, because we've actually written out uh, quite a bit of meditations and different stuff in the past. Nate's yeah, written some cool uh poetry actually yeah, to uh, reflect on the ho- days of holy week maybe yeah. we could have a recording of you reading that's that true. so yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so here we are you know on our 50th episode and in honor of you know it's you know, this this nice little anniversary we thought we'd talk about the most important thing in our whole faith which is the trinity yeah we thought um, for 50th let's raise the bar to something way more difficult than we talked yeah, about. yeah yeah up yeah. to this point up to this point it's been pretty low-key right like you know even the philosophy ones are fairly low-key we're like oh you yeah. know what you know it'd be hard and challenging let's do the trinity so yeah 
Yeah, dude. So, yeah, we actually just really, like, providentially, we both had a class on the Trinity last mm-hmm. semester. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, obviously, in seminary, it's kind of important that we <laughs> study the Trinity yeah. and learn about Shout the Trinity. Shout out to Mr. Letney. That was my teacher for it. I know he doesn't watch this, but he's he's fire. He's, so, he's the coolest teacher ever. Yeah, so Nate had but, a class on the Trinity, I had a class yeah, on the Trinity. Right. Uh, and that's actually, as we were comparing notes, we realized kind of the the focus of how we learned about the trinity was quite different yeah i learned trinitarian theology more from kind of an eastern perspective and he learned it from straight from the angelic doctor yeah from aquinas yeah true true man of the west yeah um so yeah we actually thought we kind of teach each other and by extension teach all of y'all i'm kind of curious to honestly hear yours first because I mean, I've been, I mean, we'll get to mine, but yeah. I, I've been hearing it for a whole semester, True, but okay. I really, I want to know what you learned from, especially because you said it was from the East and from the early church fathers. So yeah. it's not, their understanding of the Trinity, I really, I, I don't know. So Yeah. So, uh, well, the way class started, we first looked at Mark, the gospel of Mark right. um, and how through looking at, um, yeah, just scripture itself, looking at Mark and then M- Matthew and then kind of extending to St. Paul, um, how can we discern through scripture okay like clear evidence of the trinity because the word trinity does not appear in scripture mm-hmm. the word trinity actually didn't appear until the 300s yeah. under trinitas is a word right. to actually use to describe the relation of the trinity right um but so a quick checkmate to those who believe in sola scriptura yeah exactly. based on sola scriptura you would not have the trinity anyway sorry yeah. go ahead um so but like the baptism of jesus um seeing you know, the spirit descending upon Christ. This mm-hmm. is my son, the father claiming the son, not as uh, kind of like a lower being and then raising to the son, but like this is my son from all time, right? Mm-hmm. Listen to him. And then again at the transfiguration, it's repeated and we see all three uh, persons of the Trinity present again. Um, and then actually at the crucifixion um, where then the centurion says truly this man was the son of God. Right. Um, so claiming, and then the, the cloud um, in, uh, sorry, go back to at the baptism, it says the heavens were opened yeah. and the spirit of descended. Well, that word, uh, in, uh, I guess Greek is schizo, which means to be torn open. Mm-hmm. And it's the same word when it says that the temple veil was torn, it was schizo, rendered wow. open. So okay. as the spirit passed from the heavens, so as the, te- uh, temple veil is opened, the spirit passes out of the temple into the world. So. Right. From those, then St. Paul expands, and then upon Scripture, the Church Fathers, which we'll get into, then started to say, okay, well, there's clearly there's clearly this representation or understanding of three persons mm-hmm. in God. Um, and there was a lot of problems that people were having with especially this idea of something called modalism, which is basically that there really is still only one God, which is what we believe, right? But... He just has, like, three manifestations. Like so, masks that he wears for yeah, different exactly. occasions. Yeah. So I, in the Old Testament, it's God, you know, as the Father. In the New Testament, it's God as the Son. And now we experience God as the Holy Spirit. But they're all exactly the same. Yeah. It's just, like, There's no different sides to the same God, which yeah. that, is not, that is not true. That's a heresy. Uh, yeah. So. Um, so to respond to that, the early church fathers, um, the first were the apostolic fathers, who were the ones who were the, those who immediately followed upon the apostles. So those would be guys like um, St. Ignatius of Antioch, um, St. Polycarp, Mm -hmm. and um, St. I guess, yeah, St. Irenaeus, he might be actually an apologist. Um, But anyways, so they were starting, um, but their language was was still not great. And Mm -hmm. they kind of, they were saying, oh, well, 
God is three entities. They're kind of like this idea. Yeah. Um, but still, like they were having some struggle. Well, right. Irenaeus was probably the first one who really started like, okay, let's let's really put some some language on this. So, taking from um, Platonic thought, um, particularly from Plotinus, who's actually a Neoplatonist, he takes Plato and kind of you know ramps it up a little bit. Yeah. Um, he Plotinus had this concept of of being as first consisting in what's called the One, which is like all all being all substance all that exists first exists in this one and out and there's a perfect reflection of the one in what's called the intellect or the logos um which is a perfect emanation so it comes out of the one Mm -hmm. and it itself is a perfect reflection still distinct from the one but like perfectly like aligned with it and then out of the intellect through the intellect actually the one then emanates to the rest of the world um or what we call i guess matter um emanates all that exists and then the end or like the goal of all things is to come back from that kind of extension from the one back through the logos to return to the one so that's kind of the goal of the philosophical life for Plotinus well Irenaeus um saw that oh that's a really like that's really good um maybe we can see that like God the father is kind of the one right and the son is the logos the perfect reflection of the what the mind of the father Mm -hmm. And it is through him that the spirit is sent to emanate and create all things. It's like, right. okay, that seems pretty good. And he actually, but then then things got a little dicey. Um, so he had good good theology, but it's, it still was all new, right? And people yeah. were kind of taking this every which way. I'm sure. So he had two terms then for the Logos, though, and this is what kind of confused people. So he said that before time existed, before it was creation, the word or the sun, the logos, existed as the logos endiothetos, which is Greek for the the word in the Father, or in God. Mm-hmm. Um, so that it was simply like almost like a thought, right? Yeah. It, was, it was not a full expression, as we mm-hmm. might understand mm-hmm. it. But then at creation, or at the incarnation, when all things were created, then the logos existed in a new sense, yeah. in the logos proforikos, um, which is the logos existing like in time and out of the mind of the father. Wait, so, so still, still the same logos, but with like an added expression. So was he positing like a change in the second person of the Trinity? That's what's confusing okay. it, because he doesn't explain it. And he's new to this language mm-hmm. and people, that's what people are saying. Like, Oh, Oh, he's adding to the nature of the yeah. son. Um, or, Oh, there was a time in which like the fullest expression of what we understand the son to be was, was not. And now okay. that there is, right. Um, and then through this expression of the sun, uh, then the kind of created world is the Lagos Bramaticos, which is like the seeds of the sun are being sown through the spirit in the word. And that's what we have. We have seeds of the sun hmm. that then if we're pulled back through the Lagos, we return to the one. Okay. Which is like, I mean, that is truly divine emanation, like di- divinization, right? Yeah. And that's Theosis. what Irenaeus was yeah. big on, divinization, right? right? right. That the son became man so that we in turn might become like God. Yeah. Um, and he believed that that was kind of the whole Trinitarian process. Right. Those words though, kind of confused people. For sure. Um, so then they, people like Arius later down the road, well, we'll get to him. So he wasn't trying to say there was necessarily a change, but he was misinterpreted. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and my own professor, Father Justin will say like, yeah, Irenaeus is good, but only good so far because some of his things fell apart. Yeah. Then we got origin. 
who not a saint, but was actually like when it came to Trinitarian theology, like big Solid. thumbs up on him. Um, he he kind of looked at that stuff and said, I don't like any of that language. It's confusing. Really? It doesn't help. And it just throws people off. So he decided to first establish how the Trinity is three in one. So he's the first person who really was like, okay, let's let's use the word Trinitas. Try unity, three yet one, right? Yeah. So that's where we get the word Trinitas. Mm-hmm. And he uses, um, pulling from Tertullian and from uh, St. Hippolytus, three words that help describe the Trinity. Um, those are um, prosopon, idi- uh, idioma, and hypostasis. Um so a prosopon is how we translate person now. Okay. Um, so a prosopon would be, uh, it's actually the Greek word for a mask. Um, so in a Greek play, oh. um, characters would signal that they're playing a different character. By changing masks. By changing masks. And that's supposed to show I am no longer that, I am clearly I distinct from this person. It's not like the modalism mask where it's just God flipping himself on and off. Right. Um, this is truly... This is a different person, prosopon. So, so we get, do we get our word person through like yes. the dramatis personae? Like at the beginning of every like old fashioned play that had like the, basically it's the cast of characters. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And persona. Where person persona is. is the direct Latin translation of prosopon. Okay. Um, so he said, okay, that each member of the Trinity, though united is a separate prosopon. Mm-hmm. And so, okay, great. Separate persons. Okay. okay. And in their separate persons, though you're united, they have unique expressions or like almost unique characters right right um that the that of the sovereignty of the father and the beget the father as the one who begets and gives right the son is unique that only he is begotten okay. and only receives and the spirit's unique character is that only he um proceeds from, from both, both the father and the son right so their characters are unique by their relation to one another okay and he calls those characteristics their idioma. Interesting. And then he lastly... Those characteristics being like kind of the notions of by which we consider their relation to each yes, other? Yes, okay. yeah, yeah. So the, the father being the begetter, the son being that whom is begotten, mm-hmm. and the spirit being who proceeds. So the idiomas is the basis for the persons. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's how you can distinguish them as persons. Right. Um, and then he finally said that... Uh, the hypostases, or the hypostasis, is that which they share together is their divine... Oh, interesting. Their, like, their substance. Right. So their divine substance is the same. Okay. Yet, even though they share it, they're still... So the substantia, or the substance... They share, they share it in three different ways. Yes. Okay. They're all still separate. Or distinct, sorry. Distinct, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah not yeah, separate, yeah, distinct. Right. Um, which, okay, so then, that's where Arius, who, if you ever heard of Arianism... Um, not great. No, like, thumb, big thumbs, double thumbs. He was a him. beta male who got, uh, you know, punched in the face by the alpha male, uh, St. Nicholas. So yeah. if, you know, if you, if you're ever celebrating, uh, St. Nicholas day on December 6th, sure, you know, go ahead and do the, the classic putting your shoes out and getting some candy. But more importantly, remember how he, he punched a heretic in the face for denying the divinity of Christ. Yeah. That's, that's based. Sorry. So, just anyways, side note, side note. Arius didn't, he followed upon origin, but changed several of things origin said so arius said in a, origin in a big way like origin said heresy regarding stuff. the son jesus that there was not a time when he was not okay arius crosses up the first knot and says there was a time when he was not 
Which, you know, is a slight uh, rough <laughs> translation to the point of exactly negating exactly. what Origen said. Yeah, that's um, kinda, so yeah. Arius believed that the sun um, was the first created thing. Like, like, before all other things existed, the sun exists, but existed immediately by the creation of the Father. Um, so that his divinity, if you want to call it that, mm-hmm. is not the same as the Father's divinity. Right. It's He... Sh- he shares in a likeness of the divinity. So he still had divinity even though he's a creature? That's well, kind of strange. It's, it's a different type of divinity. Okay. It's like a lower. So okay. um, we understand the word consubstantial, right? In the creed we say that the sun is consubstantial of the same substance. Yeah. The Greek is homoousias. Um, ousias being substance, okay. as we would translate Homo it. the same, yeah. Yeah. Um, so the sun from origin and from the Council of Nicaea's point of view is homoousias. Um Arius would say it's um, homosias, like, uh, yeah, homos, homosia, I think, uh, homoisa, whatever. I'm not great at pronouncing the Greek, but basically like the father, okay. but not the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was others who uh, kind of in between said homoin with an I, usian, which was that he was equal to the father, right. but not equal in how we understand divinity. I see. Um, so... Sorry, just to understand, I guess Arius wasn't just saying that the son is a likeness of the father, but he was saying the kind of divinity the son has is, is a likeness of that of the father's? No, or? no, no, no. The kind of divinity he has is is divine, but it's not like the father's divinity at all. Okay, It's, wow. it's like a lower it's clear. It's distinct and lower. Yeah. Homoousias is that it's exactly the same. It is the same. Mm-hmm. Homoian, with an I, is it's also divine, it's just not quite. Like, it's equal, but it's it's still separate. Yeah. Was what Arius is saying, it's it's... Not equal, and it's not. Or, yeah, it's not equal, and it's and it is separate. Okay. So it's like it's yeah. even lower. Okay. So yeah. he just the sun is not God at yeah. all. Not okay. in, wow. Yeah. Um, he was kind of like raised to a level of like sort of divine, mm-hmm. um, which then just kind of really takes away the whole idea of the incarnation. Like God becoming man is not what happens at right. the incarnation if Jesus is not God. Right. Um, which the, the I mean that would make Christ a liar because Christ yeah. explicitly said the Father and I are, are one. So if you're, if you're taking that in any way other than that they share in the same essence, then, I mean, you'd be making him a liar in some sense. Well, yeah, and, well, Arius would respond in saying, well, he's talking about the father and the one being, like, one in their will, but not their one in, like, their existence. And he, Arius used tons of St. Paul, like, he's the yeah. firstborn of all creation mm-hmm. existing before all else, mm-hmm. um, that God puts all things subject to his feet until he himself is made subjected. So right. he was using scripture to, to, to justify yeah. these things. Um, but, oh, I mean, scripture can oh, yeah. be People easily use used by the devil. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. anyways, because he was causing such a big issue in the East to the point where more than sixty-six percent of the bishops of the church actually followed this teaching of Christ. Which, so if you're stressed right now or you're worried right now about maybe the state of the church, you're like, oh, people are doing whatever, the teaching whatever. Just know that there was a time where more than two thirds of the entire teaching body of the church believed erroneously who Jesus was. Yeah. Not, no, the Pope was right. not on the board and St. Athanasius, Giga Chad, man, love St. Athanasius. Just, he was the quarterback of the team Jesus is God, yeah. um, as, yeah. my, as my t- teacher would say. Yeah. Um, and the wide receivers were uh, St. Gregory of Nyssa, St. Basil, and St. Gregory of Nazians. Fire. Um, who... After the Council of Sia, there was still stuff that was like, we don't know what's going on. Yeah. Um, people were still complaining about how they define the Trinity. So they took those words from origin, mm-hmm. um, usios, idioma, hypostasis, 
and um, prosopon, and they blended them together to make a very clear so definition is, okay. of yeah. the Trinity. So, okay. um, I'll wow. just go into that real quick, and then you can yeah. you can hit it real so, quick. Though, I just want to go back to what you said that sixty six percent of the church yeah, I, was, right. or, or the the church's leaders specifically, had faulty understanding of this. Because I mean, yeah, we're concerned now. There's lots of bishops in Germany. There's lots of bishops in America and in South America who have, you know, you know, seemingly uh, questionable understandings of morality, especially in these times. Yeah, that that that's fair to be concerned about that. But I mean, think about two-thirds of the church's bishops yeah i know um having a wrong understanding of the f- central figure in our religion literally not understanding the divinity of christ like that's that's, that's even more concerning and, and yeah we got through it and guess what it produced amazing saints well the problem with that so. too was then if jesus is not god then who's the holy spirit yeah right right and so they actually then lowered the holy spirit and right. just like it's the life of god the father as mm-hmm. it's the holy spirit is not its own person so they, yeah, they yeah. when they went off the deeply rails, concerning. Uh, I forget what the Greek word that they called those people who were like, but it literally translates to the ant, like the the enemies of the Holy Spirit is what right. they started calling those people because right. they were like, ah, no, not not the Holy Spirit because Jesus isn't God, so yeah. the Holy Spirit can't yeah. be God. Um, okay, so yeah, so then the they there those three: Gregory of Nyssa, Gregory of Nazians, and Basil. Right. Um, those were called the Cappadocian Fathers because they're all from that region in Turkey um, called Cappadocia, and they worked with Saint Athanasius, who was a. They were prominent. contemporaries with each other, like they yeah, did, okay, yeah. They Basil knew each other. Basil and Gregory of Nyssa are brothers. Oh, okay. And then Gregory of Nazians is Basil's best friend from okay. high, basically high school. That's cool. That's um, super cool. Yeah, yeah. You and the boys just like pulling up and like defending uh, Christology. That's fire. Basil's family, like, basically are all saints. His older sister, Macrina, is a saint. so base. Both of his parents are saints, and his grandmother, also Macrina, is also a saint. Get out of here. Just, like, a a group of awesome people. Could you imagine, like, being the one uh, sibling or, like, cousin (laughs) who, like, you know, isn't a saint? Like, you know, it's like like the auntie. You know the auntie de Kumpos, the the basketball family? Mm -hmm. I think three of them are, like, pro basketball players, and obviously Giannis is, like, the freak. He's he's incredible. But then there's, like, one brother who, like, (laughs) like, if you look, if you look up onto Takumbo's on on like Google, it'll like show all of them. But then there's like the one brother who like, I think if you go to his Wikipedia page, he's basically famous for being the rest of their brother. Uh, it's like he yeah. doesn't play basketball. He's like, yeah. But anyway, sorry. So it's okay. It's that's just, fire yeah, it's though. Really you have cool. an entire family of saints. Um, that's wild. So they they were leading the charge in the east, and Saint Athanasius was re- leading the charge in the west. Mm-hmm. Um, and he wrote actually to the bishops of Alexandria and Antioch basically saying like you have to stop being stupid yeah um this is what we teach about the trinity we're not going back on it and if you don't we're gonna kick you all out bars um and the, actually when he had the backing of the pope that's fire and the emperor um oh well which was, backing the emperor that's kind of clutch yeah well there was three emperors at this point there was Con- uh constantine the second constantius and constance right and we had great thanks constantine for naming us <sighs> Two of the three of them were pro Jesus as God. One of the okay. three, the one who was the emperor of Byzantium, uh, yeah, Byzantium, was not. He Beta. Was Marian. Wow. So. Okay. Uh, anyways, yeah, there's this. There's a whole political background. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. To all of this too. Yeah. Um, so, the Cappadocian fathers they said, okay, we're gonna take these words, the usia or the substance plus the idioma, or you know, the, like that unique characteristic, mm-hmm. makes the the hypostasis of each person and we call that hypostasis 
all contained in a prosopon. So the prosopon is the expression of this unique hypostasis, which is built from that they share a substance yet have different characteristics of relation okay. in that shared in substance. substance. Okay. So the hypothesis is like the unique existence mm-hmm. of each member of the Trinity, and we call that As existence shared. a prosopon. Okay. Right? The prosopon is like kind of the culmination of all of those things. Mm-hmm. We call it a person. Um, and it is the, that is the live existence, it, or it, it not the lived, it, it is the existence, right? Because yeah. God doesn't have existence, he is existence. Right. Um, yeah, so Based. it's... I could wait. Wait. So, yeah. um, <laughs> sorry. sorry. Just to, I'm just getting, to, um, forgetting some of the terms here. Yeah. Uh, the hypothesis. So that'd be like, uh, basically the son as begotten, the father as the begetter. The, the, those. The, that's the idioma. The idioma. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So the hypothesis is the like basically the unique existence. Okay. So the substance is what's shared, mm-hmm. right? The idioma is what's unique. Okay. And then the hypothesis is because of those things together, yeah. their existence. This is what their separate existence looks like. Okay. So the existence of the Trinity has three three existence in mm-hmm. in yet it's symbol single one existence as God. Right. So the Holy Spirit idioma is the per- being proceeding from the Son and the Father, mm-hmm. yet he shares the same substance. So his identity in the Trinity, right. his personhood in the Trinity, is the one who proceeds in relation to the Father and the Son, yeah. and that's his existence. Okay. Same with the Son as the one who's begotten and then pr- and pours forth the Spirit, mm-hmm. and the Father who begets the Son and also pours forth the Spirit. Yeah. Um, so That's wild. Yeah. If any of that made sense... I'm tr- I tried. I had to write a five-page essay yeah. um, for a test to basically explain the whole origin of the root hypothesis. Mm-hmm. Um, so I hope it makes sense. Hypo, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. Never mind. I just won't even go. <laughs> I won't, I'm not going <laughs> to break it down. Don't start. Yeah, I'm not going to break it down. Yeah. Just, uh, yeah. That's um, fire. No, you popped off. That's so wild. yeah, existence basically. Like okay. how? What is the existence? Unique existence of each member of the Trinity. Okay. Yet, how can we still understand them as one? Um, right, because since God is existence itself, yeah. um, and that's inseparable from his essence, we, of course, want to say their existence in some way is one, and yet it's also distinct. Yeah, the expressions of their existence. Are distinct. Okay. Yeah, um, but not that... But not just in a modalistic way, exactly. right? Because that's the problem with, like, modalism, or well, I've also heard it called Sibelianism, mm-hmm. I think it's similar, where, yeah, again, like we said, the, the Trinity is uh, just a mask. It's, it's, it's a, you know, a set of facades that one being takes, but instead... We want to say in some way their existence really is distinct, yet also unified in essence. And it's important that the hypothesis is rooted in this idioma, like mm-hmm. their ide- their like their relation of how yeah. they are. Mm-hmm. Because without that, I think you could fall into modalism, right? right? But if you're saying like, oh, well, no, clearly only the spirit proceeds or only the father begets. Oh, that's okay. So their existence There's something distinctive, yeah. is something distinct about how the son then exists because of his relation right. to the other two. Right. Right, because the Holy Spirit is God, the Father is God, but the Father begets. The Holy Spirit does not beget. So, yeah, yeah you can pull, pull points of distinction. So, and um, that's, that's, okay, so... That's the East. Yeah, it's good to hear that, like, I, I, I was wondering how different the Eastern understanding was going to be from from the Western, and there's a lot of similarities, so that it's good to, good to hear. Normally, Hopefully they should normally be. if it's doctrinally sound, it shouldn't sound too different from... Yeah. Um, but, yeah, basically, if you, if you want to summarize uh, the Thomistic understanding of uh, the Trinity... You can actually do with your hand. This is what my professor showed me. So, um, five notions 
uh, four uh, relations, three persons, uh, two processions, one God, and uh, as he likes to add, zero understanding. Um, because <laughs> I mean, we, we're not we're not going to be able to completely comprehend this because. Uh, we say it's one God, three persons, or one essence, three persons. But mm-hmm. in our, you know, creature experience, uh, every single person has their own distinct, you know, essence from the person next to them, right? We we never encounter one essence having multiple persons, mm-hmm. um, like you know, on a creature level. But so it's going to be. We have to we have to acknowledge that, we, you know, right off before we start considering the Trinity, we're not going to be able to comprehend it fully. Oh yeah. Um, no. But but we can you know try to make some headway and obviously the early church fathers did did a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. So so Thomas Aquinas, he begins his treatise on the Trinity by looking at uh, the two processions, the procession of the Word and the procession of love, which is basically how we get uh, the Son and the Holy Spirit. So. Um, the way he understands these is by analogy to uh, the human way of knowing and willing. Mm. So basically, um, getting getting into the weeds here a little bit. This is with uh, ba- this is stuff rooted in Aristotle's treatise on the soul and and coming to know uh, in his his work called the De Anima uh, on the soul. So basically, um, <laughs> you have for, for a being of an intellectual nature, mm-hmm. you know they have their mind, they have their intellect. And then they see something outside of them, um, and they, for example, in our experience, we can use some some common examples from our life. You see trees outside of you, right? And uh, and you can grasp the intelligible form of that thing. You grasp that okay, here's a tree, and there's a tree. Well, there's something common to them. We we encounter enough trees, you get to know them, and you see okay, there's something common. There's a form underlying mm-hmm. this particular matter, or that particular matter. So you grasp an intelligible an intelligible form. And so your intellect is joined to that intelligible form. That's how you come to know. And from that, uh, from what he calls the intellect in act or the intellect in actuality, you uh, generate this concept. Yeah. So yeah. in your mind, you know, you, you, you see this tree and that tree and, um, you know, you, you come to know it, that there's a form there. And from that, you produce a concept such that, you know, you can bring it to mind. You can bring to mind your understanding of tree. Yeah. And he points to that and says, look, there is a, an act of generation there. Hmm. So, um, the generation of a concept. So if we, if we turn to God, then the procession of the word, there is God considering himself. He's, he's, you know, grasping his own form, his own intelligible form, which by the way, is the form of all existence because yeah. God is existence itself. And so he's perfect. He's, exactly. He's perfectly grasping himself, um, for all eternity. He doesn't ever not do that. Mm-hmm. And from his own knowledge of himself, his own intellect in act, um, he generates, his concept of himself, um, an image of himself, a likeness of himself that we call the word. Okay, so that's how the word comes to be. It's it's a concept. We, we call it the word because um, you can also refer to the concept as uh, what you call the word of the heart. So it's not a vocal word, yeah. but it's like, it's it's an interior word. Um, and that's, that's kind of how hmm. uh, how Aquinas speaks of it. So then, so then now he has this concept, he has this word, um, and the word, by the way, is, again, an image of himself. And here is where you introduce the procession of love that we, from which we get the Holy Spirit. So, uh, that word is the Son, right? Sorry, the, the word is the Son. But yeah. but from from the fact that the word is a likeness, we're going to get uh, yeah. the procession of love. And, and here's why: it's because according to Aristotle and and Aquinas, I think um, the basis for love is um, a likeness between you and the thing you're loving. So we just naturally, by our nature, love ourselves. Yeah. 
and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like a lot of people speak of that as like yeah. you know, some, we're not talking in a pride sort of way. We're just speaking very naturally. We love ourselves, and when we see in another a likeness of ourself, that fosters love. So when mm-hmm. even in our experiences with a friend, the reason why we see in, uh, some good in a friend and we we, we want uh, their well being is because we see in the friend something like ourselves. Yeah. We naturally love ourselves, and therefore now we kind of in a way project onto that friend a love, and we say, well, I will my own good, and I see something like myself in that other person, so I now will their good. I, I desire their well-being. I love them. So with the father beholding the son, the concept of himself, he sees in the son a likeness of himself hmm. because the son, again, is an image of the father. Yeah. So the father sees the image of himself in the son, and he has this love for the son, therefore. He he feels the, this inclination, and it's a mutual inclination, again, because any anything he loves to, like any uh, love that he has to the son is then turned around toward, back towards himself because the son is just an image of the father. And so the, you have this reciprocal love, and from that, you have he has this impulse of love. Hmm. Um, and what we mean by impulse is, our professor always said, like, you know, I... I love my wife. That's what yeah. you'd tell us. And, you know, I, I kind of love her intellectually and I see some goodness in her and I see she's like myself. And from that, I have the desire to do things for her. I, I want to, like, you know, <laughs> mow the lawn when it needs to be mowed yeah. you know, because I love my wife. I go out and buy her flowers. So there's that, that impulse. impulse. Exactly. It's this natural impulse, this this urge to do something for the other. And that's the, the where the Holy Spirit comes in. So basically, it's the, the basis for the procession of love is the inclination of likeness between the father and the son and from that inclination comes the impulse which we call the holy spirit that's pretty cool it is i that actually so i've i I know that you know that the son is a perfect reflection of the father and that the spirit is the love shared between the two Mm -hmm. but i don't we did talk about aquinas in our class but it was like the last like week and a half and we Mm -hmm. like spent so the thing that we did in a week and a half which you did an entire semester yeah was kind of we, we took our time with it for sure and sometimes some days would be a little bit repetitive but it, it was fire i mean it's really important to be repetitive exactly about. it is because you no matter how many times you hammer in your head no matter how many times we drew the same diagram on the board trying yeah. to figure out okay here's the possession of love here's the possession of of the word no matter how many times we still didn't fully comprehend it so you just gotta keep trying to like you know immerse yourself in it over and over again but so, anyway that's the two processions okay yeah i was gonna say okay so okay. can we walk through the other things well yeah. obviously the three persons. The three persons We've are basically that now. the points that that come in the the terms in that uh, pair of processions. Yeah. Right. The, the father who who generates. Right. The persons are distinguished by their relative opposition to one another. Yeah. So what I mean is they they have the, these relations to one another. Namely, the son has the relation to the father of being begotten by the father. Yeah. The Holy Spirit has the relation. Uh, to the others of being of proceeding from both the father and the son. Yeah. And so, whenever there's a relation, you can point to opposition of terms. There's yeah. if if uh, um, B is generated by A, uh, then there's a the relation between them of generation. So A cannot be the same thing as B. Yeah. So then you have these three terms that we get from the processions of love and processions of the word, okay. and that's how we get the persons. Um, and then so again, uh, what did I say? Yeah, yeah. One God, two uh, processions, three persons. Four um, notions. Four relations. Relations. So the relations oh, right, are basically. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> it's hard without a diagram. It's yeah. hard. It's hard with a diagram, yeah. but it, it, it's <laughs> e- at least a little bit easier with a diagram. Yeah. So, um, but with, without a diagram, basically, you can kind of point back and forth in in the two different directions uh, to the ways in which the persons are related to one another. Yeah. So from going from the father to the son, the act of generation. Yeah. Uh, that's uh, that is paternity. 
um, th- oh, th- right. that's yeah. we we call that um, the relation of paternity because you know he's he's yeah, the father. father to the if son. you look at the son and what is his relation back to the father, that's uh, the the relation of filiation, namely yeah. sonship. Um, if you look at the relation of the father and the son, both to the Holy Spirit, uh, that's the relation called common spiration, namely from again their shared uh, inclination to one another, they spirate the, the Holy Spirit. And then from the Holy Spirit, looking back on the Father and the Son, we have the relation of procession, because yes. he proceeds from them. From them. So was, I just threw out a lot of complicated terms yeah. there, but <laughs> the point is that's, that's where you get the four relations from. Yeah, and, and I think that's, that is nice because it translates well to what the Greek you know, kind yeah. of language or the Eastern idea of the idioma right. of like how, how you understand the person is by looking at how they relate differently to the other members in the Trinity, right? Right, and that, I I guess then, like the the hypothesis is like what you're saying is like the unique, um, like what, like you were saying like if this is then it can like if the Father generates then he cannot also be generated, right? Right, like that's kind of like a hypothesis mm-hmm. right there, it's based right. on their shared like substance and their shared or and their different characteristic, mm-hmm. quote unquote. Right. their existent relation to each other is right. then distinct. Right. Exactly. And then and that, so that's how we can distinguish them. And and the, f- the fact that it's four relations allows us to distinguish from kind of both directions yeah. for each person. And then you get the five notions, which four of them are, are included actually as the relations, and then there's one fifth one that's kind of new. Uh, basically, the, the notions generally are these abstract terms by which we can distinguish the persons from one another. Okay. And they refer to distinct attributes of the three persons. So um, the the notions are, I'm just going to list them again, they're complicated yeah. terms, but I'm just going to list them. Uh, inascibility, uh, paternity, filiation, common spiration, and procession. So we already covered the, the last four. and Real fast. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> so paternity again, the relation yeah. of the father to the son uh, yeah, as an abstract term. The um, the filiation, the the fact that the son is generated by the father, uh, common spiration, you know, the abstract term referring to the, that act by which the Holy Spirit, you know, proceeds from the father and son, yeah. and then uh, procession is uh, looking at the Holy Spirit, considering in, how he comes from them. Relation to the right. Other so, so those two, four we just covered, I guess, in the, in the last thing. But then the the yeah, f- the, the fifth thing, inascibility, yeah. um, is. Uh, it basically refers to the unique attribute of the father that he uh, does not come from anyone, basically. Yes. So inascibility, uh, nasus, or, or like, uh, well, it, I, don't, I don't know exactly the word, but um, like exactly what, whether it be a, an adjective or a noun in Latin, but it basically comes from uh, from this Latin word. We, we have some words in nautus, mm-hmm. meaning born. Um, the nasibility would be, Basically, the fact that you come from someone, yeah, um, you are generated by someone, or in some way you proceed from another principle. So, inascibility is just the opposite of that. Inascibility means the father does not proceed from anyone as from a principle. Mm-hmm. He has no principle but himself. Yeah. He is his own principle. Whereas the son, of course, his the son's principle is the father. The Holy Spirit, uh, his principle is the, the father, father and the son. So it's it's unique to the to the father that he has the attribute of being unprincipled and unprincipled sounds like like negative because yeah. often we use that term yeah. as an adjective meaning like like oh they, they, he's so and so is immoral yeah. but by unprincipled we just mean he doesn't come from anybody and actually so the the East actually also talked about that it's called really? the father's monarchy okay um, that's that fire in, that there's a hierarchy in the Trinity that that the father is like 
head of the Trinity in that sense that it is from him mm-hmm. that the other two come. Um, right. But, but that that does not mean that the Son and the Spirit are beneath him in right. a sense. And it doesn't mean he's prior to them in time right. exactly. or in being or in I think pe- authority. That's, that's the hard thing for people yeah. is when they say like, oh, well, if the Son is, you know, the principle or generated by the Father and the Spirit mm-hmm. comes from them, that if it comes from them, it must mean it's lower than them or yeah. that existed after them or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but just think about, you know, parents, if you have children, your pa- children are not beneath you, right? right. They're also, you know, they share in the, the likeness of your humanity mm-hmm. so that when they're adults, they're, they're, they're equal. They're right. different from you. And, maybe, and on human terms, temporally, you were there before them. Right. But on the divine, that is not how the Trinity is. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I think Arius and like a lot of these other people had such difficulties is seeing that, okay, if these two come from the Father in a sense, yeah. then they must be beneath him, right? right? And they only could equate coming from the Father on like a temporal time. Mm-hmm. Right? So, oh, if the Son is generated by the Father, that means there must have been some time when the Son didn't exist at all, right? which is not right. what we're talking about here. right. So in that way, they were kind of trying to understand these terms, father and son, in a more creature yes. mentality. Whereas, as Thomas Aquinas points out, really, father just means a, a father simply is a principle uh, of the procession of another being who shares in the same nature. So in our experience, that happens materially. You know, yeah. your father is your biological father, and you come after him. But that can also happen spiritually, mm. and, and that's what we see with the father and the son in the in the Holy Trinity. Now you might ask, okay. What was the good of all this? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, what, what, like, sure, maybe it's important for some, like, you know, really heady theologians, but what is the benefit you get from thinking about these really abstract terms? Well, I think one major benefit is uh, it's important that we, for one thing, get this right yeah. because the Holy Trinity is God. It is what we worship. So it's really important that, to the best of our ability, we arrive at some understanding yeah. of what God is. But also, um, it's really important that we root our understanding of God and of the Holy Trinity in something that is only with reference to him. Mm. For example, a lot of people, when they are speaking about the the three members of the Trinity, they speak with reference to us creatures. They'll talk about God as, oh, God the Father, you know, he's the one that, uh, you know, he's the Father, the Son. Now, the Son, what's unique about the Son is, you know, he came and died for our sins. The Holy Spirit, what's unique about the Holy Spirit, you know, he he fills our heart with love. And those things are true, right? They're true. But they're very limited, and they're they're That's based they're on our approaching it from the wrong way. They're approaching from our experience, so they're confining God's distinction of personhood to our experience of God and hmm. to creatures. But guess what? The Trinity was there. The Trinity existed before existence, before creation, yeah. before any of us existed. Right before the incarnation, there was the Son. Before Pentecost, there was the Holy Spirit. Right. So it's important that we understand the Holy Trinity uh, by itself, apart from creatures. Yeah. No, that's that's really really good, um, and because as my one of my teachers in seminary said, like if you if you don't understand the Trinity, if you don't get the Trinity, everything else that follows is off and wrong, right? If if your understanding of the Trinity yeah. is off, then the incarnation is going to be off. Mm-hmm. If your understanding of Jesus in the incarnation is wrong, right. then the sacraments, salvation, yeah. the church, everything mm-hmm. just is is broken down. And what's really 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 good, and my uh, this is Dr. Baharik. She emphasizes, like, understanding the Trinity sh- and, like, how above yet at the same time, like, how close they are to us. When you use these languages that you said are unique to them, mm-hmm. you realize, like, holy cow, like, this is where the Trinity, like, yeah. 
this is the transcendent of the mm-hmm. Trinity. Yet, this mystery, which is so crazy and difficult to describe and talk about, wants to have a relationship with yeah. me. Mm-hmm. Like that. That's how we can be- maybe understand what God's love really means. Mm-hmm. Um, is that with all of this, like so beyond us, He wants to yet be so much with us. Mm-hmm. But then also seeing the work of the Trinity in everything that happens, all yeah. three work together, mm-hmm. right? At the incarnation, it's a work of all three members of the Trinity. Right. Because the Father sent the Spirit to the womb of Our Lady to conceive the Son. Right. The Immaculate Conception is a work of all the Trinity. Mm-hmm. It was the Father, by through the Holy Spirit, applying the merits of Christ on the cross to the Virgin Mary so she would be right. conceived without sin. The Resurrection, the Catechism says, is a work of all persons of the Trinity. Mm-hmm. This is the Son, or the Father, who sends the Spirit to the Son, Mm-hmm. who receives the spirit and raises his body again from the dead. Right. So yeah. all three are always working. And mm-hmm. like you said, in opposition in to every... this idea of like one working here, one right. working there, we experience them separately. Mm-hmm. It's all, all together. It is. Every act that of the Trinity that affects us uh, is done by the whole Trinity. Creation yep. is done by, by the whole Trinity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the incarnation in some way was involved with the whole Trinity. So, yeah, it's a beautiful thing to see in that way their unity, but it's also important to, yeah. to keep in mind to, to the extent that we're able, their distinction. Yeah. And, yeah, just and to, to like to wrap up, like why we wanted to do this on our 50th episode mm-hmm. is like, kind of to, one, to celebrate the podcast, right? right? But like to celebrate, like you know, hopefully yeah. this is the work of the, you know, like we're participating in the work of the Trinity. That, right, like, they're, right you know, with, with God that we bringing his goodness and truth mm-hmm. and beauty to the world. Yeah. Um, cause he is goodness, truth and beauty himself. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and we just, I mean, Christians, Catholics everywhere. Like no, we don't understand the Trinity. Like no one talks about it. No. We have a Sunday Trinity Sunday. I have never actually heard a homily on Trinity Sunday actually about the Trinity. No, no. Um, yeah. It's a little bit unfortunate. Obviously homilies can't tackle the densest theology. That's it's yeah. fair. But it's a little bit unfortunate that you actually, to learn any theology, you have to turn to a catechism or, or a theology class. Yeah. You, we should be able to get some doctrinal development and, and learning just from homilies. But we, we don't hear these things, right? We yeah. don't hear these at ordinary places or at parishes. And so, you know, it's, it's important that more and more to the extent that we're able, we do educate ourselves and educate yeah. those around mm-hmm. us about these these teachings because they're not unimportant yeah they're significant and we don't learn them most places yeah i've never i've never heard on trinity sunday it's, a homily about the teaching of the trinity and i you know I've, i asked a priest one time about that he said well you know we don't we don't want to scare people by this high theology we don't want it to go over their heads i'm like you know Bruh. my experience maybe sometimes people will react that way okay boomer but if you invite me to like think hard or be mm-hmm. like, whoa, I don't fully get that. Yeah. I want to go find that yeah. answer. I want to go, or like, right. oh, I'm going to actually pay attention to this homily yeah. for once, you know? Um, we insult people's intelligence yeah. so much. So much. And the same with the Eucharist. You yeah. know, we talked about the scriptural roots with Brother Finbar. Um, we, we're so, like, yeah. the church, especially, like, the church hierarchy, in my opinion, I, and I'm not trying, I'm not calling out anyone specifically. And I've done this myself, too. I just like, well... Like, that's kind of a mystery or like, mm, well, you probably need some more theology or philosophy to right. understand that. Like, no, stop. We need to stop insulting. We need to stop letting ourselves be ignorant. Yeah, exactly. Um, because, yo, so true. Uh, what you're talking about, like, it would actually be inspiring to hear something that's a little bit uh, intellectually challenging. Because I think some people assume young people leave the church because they're hearing stuff that's too complicated and removed from their lives. Yeah. That's never actually the case. they don't hear anything. I think people would be inspired to stay in the church 
if they heard that, oh, wait, there's actually some depth here. Yeah. Whereas, like, look at it. Like, if, if you're a young person and, and you go to church every Sunday and the sense you get is, okay, it's just this nice little ceremony people yep. sing, people do with, like, you know, kind of low-quality hymns, and they talk about some generic stuff like love. Okay, you're not going to stay in the church. But if you realize it's actually depth, we have a... We have so much depth and beauty in our faith. So much thought. Thousands of years of thought, yeah, and meditation and theology. We need to really take advantage of it more. Yeah. So, you know, next time you're you're about to say grace or about to pray, you know, instead of just saying, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen, you could say, you know, in the name of the uh, intellect and act and the concept <laughs> and, and the holy impulse, you know. <laughs> you know, let that theology flow through. No, I'm, yeah. I'm actually not endorsing that. I don't know. I don't know if that'd be wrong. I don't know. Because it's, it's doctrinally sound, but, like, it's it's a little it's, bit... I, I prefer uh, to name them by who they are. Yeah, that's fair. Um, okay. By their, their person. So maybe don't, hypothesis. but you know, you know. But yeah. still, yeah. Don't I mean, shy away from trying to learn exactly. about the Trinity. And if this still was like, whoo, I'm, it's kind of going over my head. We like, said it kind of okay. fast. That's okay. But. Encourage you, like, dive in more, you know. Right. Go, go to the, the Summa. This, you know, people run away from the Summa because like, oh, so blah, blah, blah. Summa's actually very oh, readable. It's actually very it's readable. It's extremely readable. I remember talking to a friend recently, they're like, wait, you read the Summa college? I'm like... Yeah, bro. It's like okay. The this this, this might sound mean, but like it's not that complicated. Like it's once really... once you get to look comfortable with his language, yeah, it's it's readable. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, so, take cheers. Yeah, exactly. Cheers. All right. Well, uh, happy fiftieth. God um, bless. Thank and, you all yeah. for being followers and subscribers and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, celebrate with us uh, somehow. You know. Yeah. Hope to a... meet you in heaven with the Trinity. Exactly. And uh, yeah. Peace. All right. God bless.